Welcome to the Crone's Porch. Magic, witchcraft, and a liminal approach to magical faith. This is your grandmother's podcast. Uh, content warning. Uh, complaining, curmudgeonry, and just general questionable advice. <laughs> yes. On today's episode, we're talking about divination. We're taking a dive into a practice, talking about some of its origins, some of the various techniques, our advice on starting fresh. Um, so look forward to this episode. Hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. How's it going? Oh, it's going all right. It's rainy. April showers yeah. and all that. Yeah, same here. <laughs> so how's it, how's it going with you? How's your life been in this past, like, month? Uh, it's been a... <laughs> It's it's been a lot of burnout, a lot of uh, feel, a lot of you know those weird feelings, and then like having to go into like therapy and talking to other people and have everyone tell you like um maybe you're burned out and you need to step back, and then being like yeah that's that's probably true. Let me try to do that, and then being like wow I'm anxious about trying not to be anxious. What is this? Uh, why do I feel why do I feel guilty in missing at all these different like activisty things and I'm like okay but would I be able to be present and to be okay no will there be other things in the future yes am I personally responsible for everything no and then feeling great about myself and then I go to bed and can't sleep and I'm like god damn it oof oof the cycle sorry that was <laughs> that was a lot I just needed to get it all out <laughs> into the universe for a second that cycle that's a rough cycle I definitely feel that. <laughs> I want to step back, but then, oh no! But if I step back, I you know I have anxiety around career stuff around that. Like, what if I step back, and they fire me because I step back? And what if students suffer because I step back? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, never... it's. Mm. But the thing I'm learning is that, um. Well, you know, it took a lot of people to make a system. It will take a lot of people and a lot of time to undo a system. And then also, if, you know, if any one of us were the magic bullet, shit would have happened already. And there's nothing yes. wrong in, in, in admitting that you're human, you have limitations, you can't go to every meeting or every protest or every, you know staff event or whatever it is there is there will be more opportunities and if you're burnt out and dying you're not going to do much and you're going to hurt your your the you know who you're going to trying to help or yourself in the future and yep there there's a lot of angry voices that say you've got to do something but that doesn't mean you have to do everything doing something at this point like we said is you know the bar's relatively no relatively low if you're reaching the i'm not a nazi or acting like a nazi bar then i think that's a great jumping off point for future endeavors um but you don't have to kill yourself with guilt and anxiety because as i've learned people aren't thinking that much about you and actually my friends who are involved in social justice especially my friends who are people of color have treated me in so many amazing wonderful ways and i try to return the favor and we get along great so obviously this anxiety is coming from 
a problematic place rather than like an I'm actually worried that I'm doing the wrong thing place. There's it's it's on me, not on it's not anybody else telling me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the rough cycle. So after that therapy session, <laughs> yeah, shall we get into our content? <laughs> yeah, so it's April. We have entered springtime. It's rainy, which mm-hmm. is always springtime in New York State. It makes out everything green mm-hmm. up. Do you have buds yet which on your nice. trees? Oh yeah, actually, all all the buds are starting to come out. All like the the bushes are really starting to to get get some color to them. Um, yeah. there are a couple of like cherry blossom trees that are in bloom, which is very pretty. Yeah, we have the trees are starting to bud, the bushes are back. We've had all the spring flowers, the first one. I think crocuses are usually first, and daffodils are usually first. Yeah. All those, all the bulbs are usually people plant. Yeah, tulips are starting to come up. Yep, so spring has um, sprung. It's a time to look forward. And what better way to look forward than to do divination? Nice segue, Ian. I'm proud of myself. For I was going to say, that was a masterful segue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so divination i don't think we've talked about divination directly on this podcast like as a topic we've broached it a couple times breached it a couple times but yeah uh, yeah we've talked about it passing mention but Uh, not not full-on yeah so ian what is divination (laughs) that's a big question i'm not actually completely sure what divination is i just kind of know it's functional identity and for me it's all it's it's premonitions from the from the future selves that's all i got out of it <laughs> so sometimes it's it, sometimes it is future sight you know looking actually for specific messages from the future sometimes it's just like vibes from the future sometimes it's just uh you know what types of things may i look forward to uh, sentiments, what things should I look out for in terms of pitfalls. Um, but I think divination is also pretty tradition-specific and culturally specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would also add that divination can also be sort of messages of the present, insights, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Divination yeah. can give insight and um, from either the past or the present to give you sort of an idea of how to make your decisions or how to you know move forward yeah i guess you're right it's all kind of forward thinking but just depending on the divination and the practice you get your information from different places yes very much so like i tend to uh, i do much more forward but i think it's because there's so many uh, in the traditions that I do, there's so many, you know, like time sisters and things where the time timelines aren't, you know, concrete and solid. So you can sometimes get voices from a, a future timeline that could be possible, telling you, you know, how to how mm. to how to branch off into the right into the timeline you might want. Um, so that's usually what the kind of focus that I do or framework that I do is definitely trying to get those voices from possible timelines in the future, telling me like turn make that left turn make that choice in the morning and maybe you'll get to this timeline that you hopefully want that makes yeah that makes some sense mine is is sometimes there's some predictive aspect to it especially like if i'm doing my annual like wheel of the year prediction on Samhain. 
Um, but my tradition tends to be more focused on gaining insight um, in terms of like unpacking yourself or unpacking an event and then using that information to plan accordingly. Mm. Um, a little bit less pulling voices from the future, a little bit more under clearing the mists of the present and past. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So what role does divination usually play in your practice, Colin? Well, divination is super common for me because I use it to, whenever I do, almost always, when I do like ritual, I end it with a divination to see if the deities or spirits or ancestors I'm working with um, have any messages for me. It, I find it to be a little bit clearer than trying to like, because Oracle brain doesn't work all the time. Um, <laughs> and so I try to get those messages and then I try to understand them. I do in that I do sort of like I do a casting, figure out, try to figure out the message, confirm to see if that's what was intended to be communicated. If I get a negative response, then I try to pull more more sticks and see if I can get some clarification. Mm -hmm. Or if not, then you know whatever. If I got it on the first try, that's awesome. Um, if I feel like I really need help to know what to do, or I feel super like unsure about a situation, then I may cast to just see what my inner self is trying to tell me and is getting blocked out in all the different voices. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I, I, I use it for clarity, for clarity's sake, or for getting messages. And honestly, I have to admit, for me, the messages are pretty consistent. Um, <laughs> I probably pull the Apple Oum, um, and the, I think, Gorse Oum more often than anyone's. And Apple is healing and Gorse is rest. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good. So I get those an awful lot. But um, I also find that for me in my practice, you do find divination messages that are pretty consistent to you. So for me, yeah. both of those, so healing and resting are co very common um, things that I get, but also um, call, which is wisdom and inspiration, which is kind of my personal one. I use it to represent myself. Mm -hmm. So it's always nice to get that. Um, but I think other people who have explained that to me have also found that there are patterns in their life in terms of divination. How about yeah. you? What is your sort of approach? <sighs> Mine is very casual. I just kind of do it when I feel the need to. It, it's very much a, a toolbox when I get like inspiration to do divination. I tend to do it a lot in social spaces. I don't do it a lot on my own. I do it in spaces mm. with other people. You know, chilling around the fire after ritual. I'll that's when like the inspiration to do divination comes up. Just like. Plan, even just planning to do divination with other people, I tend to not do it in a solitary way. I don't, and I don't know exactly why. I think it's just because I'm not super interested in like uh, focused forward sight. I kind of just wait for the moments where forward sight just happens and use that as my guide. The rest is just kind of like doing life, no not normal, but doing life just like casually. Um, I don't mm -hmm. tend to try to look forward too often. <laughs> but yeah, very much toolboxy. Very much. Uh, I try to keep a very, a varied divination practice. I don't tr settle too much on any one particular thing uh, for too mm -hmm. long. I just like a varied practice. I like being able to pull out a bunch of different types of divination. <laughs> I like to be well-rounded. 
the Libra in me. <laughs> that makes sense. So, I mean, on that note, like, what sort of forms of divination do you do? Like the 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 divination pieces themselves. There's so many types of divination, and for me, it really depends on how deep and how clear a message I want. There's some really casual, very I, I want to say like visceral. Uh, divination practices scrying is a big one that's pretty much using any elemental substance to uh, seek insights images or any sort of physical representation that could be cloud scrying you know right now it's a one hazy mass of clouds so i can't really do any cloud scrying right now but it's mm -hmm. looking for images and clouds i love smoke scrying i'm an air sign so i love anything cloud air based <laughs> Uh, so smoke scrying, you can do fire scrying, you know, staring deep into the flames, seeing what types of images percolate up or sentiments percolate up. Um, people do water scrying all the time, you know, water bowls. Mirror scrying is a big one, although that can be discomforting for some folks because mirrors hold various meanings to various people. Um, so that's like one set is like the scrying set. That's super casual and I love that because it's like whatever's in front of you, you can scry with. You got some leftover tea in your cup? Scry with it. Your cat spilled <laughs> food on the floor? Scry with it. Some people do onion scrying, which is really cool. <laughs> how does that work? Oh, oh, I can't remember. Uh, how does it work? Oh, like when you cut your onion, it's like the, the visual rings can you sometimes give you some insights in the shapes of the rings. <laughs> or other types of vegetable scrying. Uh, bread scrying, you know, you bake your bread and you what the internal loaf structure tells you about your future. You can scry with anything. One of my favorite techniques. I mean, it's just finding meaning. <laughs> exactly. And then there are the, the structured ones. I have tarot decks. I have, I now have an ohm set, mine's stone. Um, I have a rune set, an elder rune set. I should be specific about that. Uh, what else do I have? I have scrying stick. Well, I have, uh, the, not divining rods. Uh, the, the, I have, um, oh, they have the handles that the rods rotate. Oh, uh, oh, 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 um, <laughs> I love those. Waning yeah. rods? Divining rods. Divining or, rods, you know. yeah, some of that. I have a, I have a whole bunch. Those other ones, like the ones that are tool-based tend to give you clear messages because you can uh, oh the one i don't do i should say is i don't do um pendulum i have lost every pendulum i've tried to own i'm pretty sure that's a clear <laughs> sign from the universe that <laughs> pendulum work and pendulum magic is not for me because i lose them consistently i think i've had three and they always lose them or they break <laughs> so mm -hmm. but those give you much clearer pictures because there are practices and specific like images and meanings you know oracle decks and arrow decks and runes and oems have particular meanings connected to particular symbols so those give you a, a much more i shouldn't say they give you clear but they'll give you clearer messages the meaning of which isn't always clear scrying i think gives me clearer meaning but tarot gives me clearer messages or like tool-based ones give me clear messages if that makes sense mm-hmm Okay, no, that makes sense, for sure. How about you? What do you do? Um, I almost exclusively do OM. It's the one that makes the most sense, and I can get really clear messages out of. Mm -hmm. um, tarot cards make no sense to me. 
<laughs> I've never been able to get like like tarot cards just confuse me. Yep. Um, although they can be very pretty, I will give the I will give it that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also saw a gay tarot deck, which I was like, I kind of want just for the aesthetic. But, yes. <laughs> um, runes, I think have are kind of hit and miss for me. I haven't played with them too much, but I found that. The ones that the runes that make the most sense are the Anglo-Saxon ones, mm-hmm. um, rather than like Elder Futhark um, or Younger Futhark or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the Anglo-Saxon ones are called Futhrak. But um, so that's that's a thing. Um, I haven't tried any of like the the nature scrying. I I, I feel like I don't have an, a long enough attention span for scry- for scrying mm-hmm. to be effective for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't focus in on something that easily, and then I just get anxious that I'm I'm missing something. Yeah. Um. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other forms of divination I've done. I really, I really love the the divining rods. Those are fun. They really are. Um, we use them. Oh, we did the the thing together at Pagan Pride Day. There was the guy who did. Uh, yeah. Uh, that was cool. He was looking for energy pools or like little energy vortex throughout the park, but he was using divining rods. Yeah, dowsing rods. That was what we were doing. Yes, for. that's what they are. <laughs> I knew we'd get there eventually. Dowsing, dowsing rod. Yeah, that was a really cool lecture. Mm-hmm. Um, but guess... yeah, no, I like I liked using the dowsing rods that you have to sort of um, track magical eddies. Like we figured out who absorbs magic and who exudes magic and i found that funny did we do that in circle or did we do that with our friend group oh we did in circle okay we did it with we did it with circle because i remember that um we had one one of our young folks was very much like a, a like pulled in magic and another like one or two of them just sort of blew magic into the universe and i thought that was very interesting yeah I guess we can talk about the different because they all have the the hard thing is that to do divination almost takes no technique, but every True. method has a technique. Right. <laughs> so, so I guess we should talk about like the the basic techniques. I already kind of talked about scrying. It's really a it's a mental game, you know. It's getting your scrying mirror or some elemental representation and just. Uh, you know, seeking out symbols. I do that by almost uh, disconnecting from reality, if that makes sense. Like, I try to shut my brain off uh, and just, mm. like, zone out. I almost don't look at it. Like, I look at it so much, you know, your, your vision just kind of <laughs> unfocuses on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just take symbols and write down what they mean, and then you might look them up. Sometimes meanings uh, come to you regardless of what, like, some... Uh, like internet or book meaning might be you know birds for me is uh not as much about what the books say as it is about oh, i can't even think of what birds mean to me but it's just that kind of zoning out uh some people do very intently like they're journaling while they do it but it's it's very much an altered state style of divination but uh what about so what's the what are some techniques for or what is OM reading? What are some techniques for OM reading, since that is your main tool? Yeah. So, um, uh, just to give a basic idea of what the OM are, they are a set of basically letters. Um, the origins are kind of disputed. 
Um, some folks think that they're very pre-Christian um, based on like sort of a, a type of druidic sign language, which was later written down during like the the period when Ireland was converting to Christianity and the monks and other people wrote down these sorts of bits of sign language and turned them into the letters we have. Uh-huh. We don't know. Um, some people attribute their creation to the god Agma, um, the origins of which are kind of irrelevant to the practice, though. Um, they are very tr- like they're very connected to the tradition. Um, the ones that are most common are the ones connected to trees. So each letter is connected to a plant or a tree, uh-huh. and that carries meaning. But there are other ohms too. They're like animal ohms and um, poem ohms, and like it's basically just an association game. Okay. Um, the basic practice of which is generally they're on sticks, so they're either carved or put onto sticks. Mine are, I made myself, they, I took a Sharpie and some popsicle sticks, and I made mine, and I'm very proud of them. Um, and they, um, you, you cast them. So, like you would with stones or any other sort of, like, rather than a card, you cast them on the ground. The ones that are not face up, you remove. The ones that are face up, you look at if they're right side up or upside down or sideways. Mm-hmm. And then you interpret meaning. If they if they fall across each other, then there's a connection. Um, some folks use like a grid system to tell whether it, the message is for the past or the future um, or positive or negative. Mm-hmm. I just kind of go with everything's in one, like time is nonlinear, so who, who knows? Um, <laughs> it all has one connected message, yeah. one connected story and i take them i look in my 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 notebook which has all of my notes because i'm terrible at memorizing things so i haven't memorized them all and i'm not ashamed of that anymore i have my notebook so who cares Uh um and i write down the meanings and the pattern and then i try to figure out the 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 message the story yes um and go from there often what i found with divination is things don't make sense until whatever it's talking about has come to pass or has happened and then it'll give you a deeper insight of it like i haven't found really any situation where the message has been super specific um it only really makes sense after the fact however sometimes the messages are very like clear directives um either like get over yourself (laughs) go Go, like, no, stop overextending yourself. Like, I get, like, very clear, like, messages of care, but otherwise they're generally a little bit more cryptic and a little bit more about reflection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty consistent with... Runes are a similar... Actually, pretty much the same practice. Uh, a lot of people have casting cloths or, like, casting vessels that they'll throw runes or cast runes into, but same principle, removing the ones that are... Uh, face down, using the ones that are face up, trying to find some meaning in their shape. Like, is it how, uh, I forgot who uh, a friend of, of mine will usually look the how they're laid out, because sometimes they'll form like a river to show like their connections, because <laughs> runes are usually on stones or on you know, discs of wood, so they're a lot harder to mm-hmm. like fall over each other, so our connection is usually visual connections, if it makes some sort of visual image like uh, snakes or rivers, or it looks like a tree, um, you can discern mm-hmm. some meaning off that. But very similar. Every rune has its meaning. You discern whether it's up or down, or even side to side. Some of the runes mean 
different things when they're sideways versus upside down versus right side up in different patterns. So very similar practice and same thing for tarot. It's, uh, you know, shuffling, laying out the cards. There are specific formats if you want to do a specific type of reading. But again, even freeform, you know, I used to love to just, <laughs> you know, pick cards and then kind of toss them or just like lay out cards in a specific order and be like, whatever you get from this order, if that's a past, present, future, or just a story or just meaning, whatever. Um, and then each card has a meaning. And that's true for pretty much all the all the, you know, object or uh, uh, tool-based divinations are really based on learning from pattern and kind of predetermined symbols. I guess the only different ones are pendulums and dowsing rods, which are much more question-based <laughs> divination systems. You'll discern a yes position and a no position. With pendulums, it's usually like a yes rotation and a no rotation. And then from there, it's about asking questions uh, to seek insights or discerning specific movements as specific uh, meanings. You know, we use dowsing rods to find uh, energy pools just because they tend to rotate and move based on uh, physical energies. Same thing with pendulums, but yeah. I think that's pretty much all the techniques that at least I know. There are lots of divination. I really encourage. There's so many cultural ones that are so fascinating to me that I that I have no inkling to do just because I don't understand the techniques because a lot of them are, you know, so culturally based. It's about things you would have done with your family. Like there's so many family-based divinations that people don't even realize are divinations mm. that they do. Like how often <laughs> your grandmother tells you things about your life simply by baking something. <laughs> um oh how stories come up yeah it's like people i found pe people often complain about like especially when it comes to elders like oh gosh she's told that story a million times and it's come to my attention recently living with you know grandparents mm -hmm. that often stories that are told even if they're told again and again and again are told at times when they need to be told mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of a divination yeah yeah, divination really at its core is just like the, when those messages pop up, and that's, you know, I, I'm a very casual person, casual diviner, diviner. Uh, so I just kind of wait for the universe to spit a message out, you know, whether that's, you know, driving down the road and seeing three specific, you know, three cranes every day for like a week in the same spot. <laughs> that might be a message. Mm. Oh, actually, I get messages. Um from crows and ravens um so actually i do take that back i have done that sort of divination and with crows and ravens i know the morrigan wants my attention mm -hmm. not necessarily in ritual but there's a reason three three crows or three ravens i know that the morrigan's up to something which probably means some level of like conflict or dramatic event yeah. is about to happen tends to be some sort of change Pretty much so. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Where do you want? What do you want to go next? So we we've talked about divination, divination techniques. Um, I mean, we could talk about like you know, it's divination is so like rich and diverse and seemingly like pretty universal a practice. Like most cultures have forms of divination. 
Yeah, I mean, um, pretty much every every culture wants like, to, you know, every people's always tries to look forward. You know, you think about sometimes survival is being able to interpret nature messages of knowing when a drought is coming so you can prepare or knowing when some sort of dangerous animal is going to appear so you can prepare. So I think almost every culture probably has some sort of divination tradition. Absolutely. I mean, and to varying levels of institutionalization, like in in china korea and japan like there were bureaucracies based on diviners like that was oh, an yeah. official court position <laughs> very much so matchmakers and matchmaking i guess would yeah. also be a form of divination oh, yeah you know, that is a divination discern, yeah discern your love Ooh, tell us about cupola or cupola which oh the yeah you're using. this is a yeah good opportunities for culturally based divination practices so cupola's night which i always forget when it is because i always mix it up with a couple different now-ish time um is a springtime tradition fertility based so you know love fertility rituals um and there are a bunch of different traditions that involve that go into it but one of the major ones is to create um various for floral re uh, wreaths whether that is uh like flower crowns or just you know like a for floral bouquet um and float them down the river and things that happen are you can do it a bunch of different ways one of them is you you might have someone that you are sweet on or are dating or courting and you might try to pair your wreaths up and float them down the river to see if they stay together to kind of discern your love future with them if they stay together it kind of means you might be together forever or it's in that it's a happy union other ones are you just float yours individually down and uh you might link yours might link up with another person that could be not always marriage driven sometimes it's uh friendship driven it might be a person that's just going to be in your life for a very long time and then another one is as wreaths flow down the river usually groups of people will jump in and try to snag one of someone that they're sweet on to symbolize like their fight and their desire to be with a specific person, but very much uh, a love divination ritual. And then there are a bunch of other ones. My favorite is on Dingus Day, which is usually Easter Monday. So actually, I think Dingus Day passed, but I haven't been able to tell because quarantine. And I don't live in Buffalo anymore, so I can't. My internal Dingus Day clock is very off. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I just kind of knew when Dingus Day was because Buffalo would advertise Dingus Days so majorly. I think it's actually the second largest Dingus Day festival outside of Poland, so go Buffalo. Um, and Dingus Day is all about, it's so dirty, which I, people don't even know. They think it's just kind of a funny haha game, but it's, uh, oh, how does it work? It's, oh yes, little girls will, uh, and this is a very binary ritual because of colonization of Christianity. But little girls will chase little boys around with pussy willows and then little boys will will splash little girls with uh will squirt them with water guns in the present day, but will splash them with water in the uh before water guns days. And that is if a fertility ritual if I've ever seen one. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that one's also not as much divination because there's nothing really about the the pairing up, although there are some subtle stories in there, but yeah, cultural divination, cupola's night, floating wreaths down the river, find your soulmate. <laughs> also, just as a note, um, I looked it up. Cupola is the end of June. Ah, yes, it is belt. It is a like a summer belt and a litha tradition. 
I always mix it up with Ostara and Marzana's Day because it's in the spring. It's in the spring, fertility-based time of year. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you have any of those? Are there any uh, Gaelic or... Um, I'm trying to think of uh, ones that are really specific. Um, the thing is, is that if, you know, I think a lot of them probably existed. We just don't know much about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling to think of anything besides the OM. Um, but there definitely are plenty of like folk, folk traditions. Like there's even a song. It's not Gaelic, but it's more, it's more Brit- Brithonic. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, there's there was like to those people like bird divination was super important um uh, um what was it uh i think magpies were kind of the most important um okay. so like there's a song and the first and it and it's about like so if you see magpies in terms of how many you see so um one for one for sorrow, two for joy, three for a girl, four for a boy, five for um, five for a birth, six for death, that sort of thing. So, like, the mm-hmm. number of birds. So there's, I think, part of divination is a desire for control, or at least desire for knowledge to feel more secure in the future. So I think there's, there's a, that's an emotional need that divination fulfills. Yeah. But there's also so. such potent so much potent magic in doing it and i especially agree with you i think it's more fun when done in um like a group setting or a social setting because it allows for like conversation and planning in like a more productive way i think you can find greater insights yeah out of divination I, if done socially yeah definitely and because i think if i if i for me, if I do it by myself, I get lost in my own thoughts about it, and then mm-hmm. the message is mm-hmm. usually lost, or it's just a, an internal message, which has value, but it's not like the the divination message I was going for, it's just my internal voice being like, this is what your future's gonna be, you deserve it. <laughs> uh, so I love doing it in a group, and also there's just so much rich, and en- like, post-ritual energy is so deep that it's almost just the easiest time for me to do it, because it's just a natural wellspring just there to feed mm. off of i don't have to do any energy raising because we already did it as a group so it's just like it's it, it's a nice thing to tack on to the end of a ritual and especially in a group setting yeah it's it's real it's really great i like drawing omens for holiday rituals those mm-hmm. are super fun oh um, I, I just forgot we always there's like one major one that i mean we haven't done it in a, in a long time uh, we have actually never done it because last year would have been our first uh, doing of this, but quarantine. Um, but even just doing the the maypole is a divination oh, yeah, maple. in of itself. <laughs> it gives you a visual. So maypole, if, if if people are familiar, there's usually a maypole dance. You see lots of there's lots of imagery and it's referenced in movies so many times. So you can look up a maypole dance and probably find a a bunch of images. But even in doing that, oh, it's for, usually, certainly. Yeah, it's a visual rep- it's a visual divination for kind of the second, you know, the second half of the year, the Beltana to Samhain time. It's a lot about um 
I think in today's day and age, it's a lot more of a social divination. It usually gives a lot of insight to what the group's connection to each other is going to be over the second half of the year. You know, for our undergrad group, it was always nice, tight, tight weave. Uh, and then it descends into chaos, which usually represents the summer months when we're all like at home not talking to each other. And then it, you know, it magically, not magically, but magically becomes a nice uh, tight braid again as we, like, around the time probably we come back to school and it ties off right at Samhain, which we've been all together in the semester mm -hmm. for. So, like, that visual representation of kind of our connection to each other, it probably was originally used to track, you know, some harvest to give you some indication of what, uh, if it's going to be a nice harvest, you know, nice tight braids, nice uh, even. <laughs> nice looking weave uh versus a little bit of chaos where there might be some hardships or you know a a, a harvest not going too well or a certain vegetable you know not coming up great um so it's probably used for that in the past but i almost forgot about with the fact that maple <laughs> the maple dance is usually a divination tool yeah for sure um and that also got me thinking about uh what's it called a um, more like internal forms of divination. So like I was talking about oracle brain. So that's what I call it. But like oracular practices are also kind of divination. Yeah. Kind of giving yourself or some level of your agency up to uh, a non-human entity of some kind to try to get messages. I've done it with deities before. Um, uh, who have I had speak through my brain? Uh, Bree, Bridget. Oh, Nuwada did that, yep. Um, Nuwada, Breed, slash Bridget, um, me, or not me, um, Bob, that one time at Samhain. <laughs> yes. That one was fun because it was all death messaging, and I, I that was kind of fun because I was also like, huh, oh, and I, I looked at you and Travis, and you were both like, um, okay. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Nuwada has, oh, that was a that was a weird experience because that was not just speaking through me. That was like trying to access my body, mostly out of just rage and spite. Yeah, but that was wild. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even like on a basic level, you know, doing your own kind of oracle work, you know, your own prophecy, your internal prophecies. This is where the the controversy of the secret that book of like you know putting it out into the universe and it coming true simply because you put it out into the universe. While it's not mm. as simple as that, it does have some merit, no. you know, laying your own prophecies down um, is in itself kind of a divination tool. It kind of sets, at least the mag for me, the magic side of the universe, it sets it on a particular path that will help, you know, keep your day-to-day -day life in check for a specific goal. So setting intentions of like, uh, you know... I, I, we actually did it because in light of the pandemic, kind of, you know, that we wanted to only spend a certain amount of time where we live now and on like the third, I don't know if we said a super specific time, but it was like on the third year, you know, we will just leave. And so that kind of sets a, a, div a divining intention for, you know, on the third year, there will be some energetic push for, uh, for leaving either a new job opportunity or just like both of us are fed up and, and leave. Well, however the universe wants mm -hmm. to interpret that, it could be bad, you know, it could be bad job things or being fired, but in some way we laid the intention, the divining intention to do something in three years. Right. 
And I think that that brings up a really great, um, a really great thing about like setting your own divine patterns, either your personal ones or like culturally specific. So like for me, three is a sacred number. Like the most sacred number in the universe for me is three. And I like to do things in threes or about threes. But like it could be four, five, six, or it could be like a letter or a phrase or, you know, whatever pattern has meaning and then apply, start applying that pattern and seeing what sort of messages you can get out of it from your life. Yep. Yeah, very much so. That's when you start to notice your own divine patterns, then you can start to see some more messages clearly. If three is a big thing for you, when things show themselves in threes, especially when it's odd. Well, three is not a number, but when it's like out of place threes, like why are there specifically three of that that there's no reason there should only be three that's a good sign that it's probably a message you know why specifically three mm-hmm. crows on a branch outside your house could right. be <laughs> could be a message yeah it, it just it comes down to setting up what what brings you the message so that it's noticeable I will say that I think I've been thinking about this that divination feels a lot harder in today's world than it probably did and I think that's just because of how far we can naturally see into the future like I know what I'm doing three years from now because I have a calendar and because I can plan like not specifically three years from now but we can see pretty far into the future now yeah just because Google Calendar and our job our lives are so regimented now there's not a lot of guesswork anymore so divination feels a lot harder or i have to look a lot farther out for it to be like an actual divination not just me like looking at my calendar and then that becomes harder because it's a much further out message so you know there's so many branch for me there are so many branching timelines and possibilities that it's you know impossible to get a clear message that far ahead yeah i think it comes down to um divination is a practice of making it doesn't make uh, uh, contrary to what i think a lot of people believe it doesn't make order out of chaos it just makes sense out of chaos and sense and order are very different and right now we're living in a world of unprecedented and unacceptable order rather than sensible chaos um and so i think that divination runs on an entirely different operating system than the world that we are sort of living in now and I think a lot of, you know, what is a lot of the things you and I advocate for, a lot of messages that people are bringing and, and messages and practices people are bringing forward in society in general are about rejecting unacceptable order and trying to return to a more sensible chaos, but without necessarily sacrificing all the cool things that we've found along the way. Oh, yeah. Google Calendar is great. <laughs> Google Calendar and all those things are great. But yeah, we just live in such a regimented time that I wish there was uh, more of a space. Like, again, the whole I know what I'm doing in three years is really more about I know what my job is going to be in a month. I know what events I have to do, what reports I have to write. There's so much about my life that has been ordered out that is, uh, you know, divination can become very hard in those spaces. So you see a lot of people. Yeah. Who are good at divination tend to live more transient lives or are self-employed or have a little bit more i guess actual physical space to need divination when you don't need divination it's hard to do divination because the universe is like you already know what you're doing or what it's you have true. to be doing why are you asking me 
which kind of is like the more control over your own life, I think the more effective divination can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gets, you know, complicated considering all the different directions in which lots of people feel like they're pulled. Like I know I'm pulled in a thousand different directions at once and it's very overwhelming. Yep. And so divination can be very effective to try to make sense of my space or at the very least make me feel less crazy. Like I know that the messages I often get are ways for me to feel like I'm validating the things I need to do. Mm-hmm. So like I live in, you know, we live in a society that values urgency and immediacy and burnout levels of work. And I know personally, I'm not capable of that, but I feel I need to justify it or I won't be able to do it. And so I think my divination also tells me that, no, you're right. You need to rest and take time. And yes, you have personal responsibility, but that does not mean that you should, you know, make yourself ineffective, looping back to the therapy session. See, (laughs) it was a necessary conversation, a story that needed to happen. Yay! Um, So I think that divination can also give you a peace of mind to do what you know you need to do, but don't feel confident you need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to put it. It's the message from the universe telling you to slow the fuck down. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I think the. Is there anything else you want to talk about with divination? We've kind of covered... And that's the full gambit. <laughs> There's so much about divination. I really encourage anyone. Oh, oh actually, so this is the good place to put this. If you're interested in divination, Colin, where do you recommend people start? Um. Well, I think it really depends on the divination you want to do. So the first step would be to look up the divination that you know already. So most people, I think, have encountered tarot in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Um. But to also look up whatever cultural community or or tradition you are working in or trying to work in, um, find the divination that is there and then find resources on that. Read up or listen or watch or whatever from those resources. And whatever feels cool, mm-hmm. try that. And then if and then feel and feel your way through that and then try these different things once you just sort of get the general idea. And from there you can devise your own most effective practice. Because I think it's important to understand the underpinnings, the history, blah 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 of divination. But the most important part is for it to work for you. Yeah. So if you modify a system, that's just as if not more valid than a, a very orthodox approach. So I would say Find your cultural tradition, find the divination there, try out the divination and modify it to be effective for you. Yeah. What about you, Ian? What would you suggest? I would suggest a lot of the same things. I think one thing I might add to that is just to do the work to determine whether you yourself need a more structured or a very loose approach to divination. Mm -hmm. I did Mm -hmm. not do well in structured divination i didn't you know i couldn't do any of the tarot layouts i couldn't do any of the specific ones (laughs) because they just didn't work for me i couldn't see symbols in the right way um so i found that doing a lot more of a casual divining approach really worked so 
I kind of let go of all the things. But if you're someone who needs the structure, tarot decks are really good. They're they're you know the little dictionaries they usually get inside of a tarot deck are really good places to start. They give you formats. Mm -hmm. They tell you what the formats mean. They tell you what card positions mean. They tell you what card meanings are. And it's a good thing to start with for you to get into the habit of just doing the practice of divination. And then yes, at some point you should always seek to modify to make it your own because at the end of the day that booklet or that online guide is somebody else's that's not to say that you need to memorize and like be able to do it you know at a moment's notice naturally from your own soul have your notes and stuff mm -hmm. but they should be yours at some point in your practice whether that's you know right away or even like 10 years down the line but i would say the same thing you know explore you know, be conscious of closed traditions still. That's something we, yes. should, we should always yes. be conscious of. Certain divining practices Absolutely. will not be available to you. But that's why I, I mean, I always recommend starting with your own family traditions. Yeah, I, I still want to do pierogi divining if I can figure out how to do it <laughs> in a way that is. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Well, like use the consistency of the dough, whether they burst in the water, how they burst in the water, <laughs> <laughs> how they fry up the different fry patterns we get. Like we could use a bunch of stuff. But yeah, start with your family tradition. Yeah. I think the only, the last thing that I would recommend is uh, really trust your gut. And I know that's like <laughs> a hard advice and that probably will mean nothing to some folks, <laughs> but it, it's one of those statements that is true. You know, trust your gut um, because certain divining practices, no matter how hard you want to do them, um, either may not work for you or one of the subtle things that has happened to me is they only work for other people, even though you can mm. do it. So like I have tarot decks that can't read my life for hell or for shit but they can tell a whole lot about other people when i read them when i do readings for other people they just don't work for me <laughs> which is frustrating yeah, that's a great point because i own it i'm like i own you you're my tarot deck we've worked together and it's still like nope not telling you jack shit about your life <laughs> you're not the boss of me you're not the boss you of are, me you are, you are my tool not not i am yours yeah um, so don't get frustrated if you get a tarot deck and it doesn't tell you anything about you sometimes it's purely uh, a relation not a relationship tool but uh, something to be done in community and it might be that you have an inkling to be a diviner for others that might be a calling for True. you and maybe your tools will show you that if every tool t is only good for readings for other people it might be a good sign you're a diviner for others and you should you know open yourself up a tarot business or a Absolutely. You know, <laughs> fortune telling business absolutely I um I would say also in this in that is I think the if you want a, the most reliable tool in terms of like you know it'll work for you is to figure out what you want to do and then make them yourself because then you can yes. put yourself in them because if you make them even if it's not pretty like if you want to make a tarot deck and all you had were like index cards and you just sort of wrote and drew on them and it was just a bunch of stick figures still probably will work better than the most lavish tarot deck that just doesn't speak to you you know like mm -hmm. it it's about what what resonates with you so if you can make your own i think that's really an effective way to go yeah yeah and there's really just there's no wrong way to do divination if you do divination and it works for you if someone comes along and it's like that's not how you read tarot or that's not a real om set or that's not a rune set or it's just a bunch of objects in a box like nope 
any divination is true divination because at the core all of them started as just like random objects that somebody used to tell some things about the future and then refined it and refined it and then other people accepted it and other people accepted it and then capitalism came along and it became mass marketed so every divination that started from random object or random image or random thing so your practice is always valid yeah absolutely and just yeah so you are totally within your rights to tell off divination snobs um because actually ian you that raises a great point because there are a lot of divination snobs there are a lot and the worst thing is is they're usually bad people in general they're usually using yeah. anti-Roma stereotypes and yeah. trying to live their, uh, you know, fortune teller, you know, traveling nomad, again, Roma stereotype fantasy of you know, yeah. fortune teller. Actually, this is a this is a great place to put in there. If if you aren't if you aren't Roma, but you do practice magical faith, that's not like one equals one. It's very different. Don't pretend you do Roma if you're not Roma. Just saying. That happens yeah. a lot, I've found, and it's really obnoxious. It really is. People, like, people will... Oh, it's the worst when it's at, like, a festival or especially oh, yeah. Halloween time. And so, yeah. like, people do tarot readings all the time. I've participated and done them. I've done rune readings. I've done energy readings, you know, here and there. Um, but it's always worse when you get the one person who comes dressed up in that specific image that I'm sure all of our listeners, if they're listening, have probably in their brain about what they think of, uh, you know, the stereotypical image of a fortune teller. And you're always just like, why? What's the point of this? Stop it. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> but, you know, we keep trying. We do keep trying. I think oh, one last piece of advice is try try as many divination tools like even if you have your comfortable one experiment around one of my favorite things that i've done both as a student and we've done with our uh, we did with our circle once and that i just like to do with other people is i like to try on other people's divination techniques you know they bring their scrying bowl or they bring their tarot deck or their found objects or their rune set or their own set and we all just like shift around you know take turns with each other's things you know feel out if it's a, a possibility that you might be able to use this or if it's like a hard no like this doesn't make any lick of sense or you also just learn a lot about other people through you know experimenting with your each other's divination tool and it's a fun group activity it is it is i it's it's great to see to watch people interact with other tools um i remember very specifically that our, the, our entire group, except for you and me, had an extreme aversion to Aesir energy, and I thought <laughs> that was funny. Oh, yes, yeah, because I have my uh, Norse Oracle deck that is very Aesir, and, and I'll, they're all like, no, just like slid it away, wouldn't touch it. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. I but, thought so um, too. I was kind of proud. That's, that's, that's a great last point, at least for me, is that Divination should be fun, and it should be funny. Often, I think it is very funny. Um, oh, and yeah. that, that joy brings a whole new level of the experience. Because often, you'll pull things, and then you'll look at them, and it'll be something like, 
ostensibly negative and you'll be like, oh no. And if you're on your own, you get, I think, at least I have a tendency to overthink. And yes. so that'll turn into a spiral versus in a social situation where someone can offer a new insight or everyone can laugh together and be like, well, we're all in this shit boat. Like you and me and Travis did our sort of joined divinations, this sow and, and we got, <laughs> and they came up with a lot of stuff that was ostensibly negative and we were like oh well i guess that's happening and it was a far more positive experience yeah yeah definitely so it, it kind of in summation divination is a lot of things a lot of practices a lot of methods it's pretty much anything divination is kind of a the universal practice it means a lot of things to a lot of people so <laughs> it truly does and if you want to just get down in your reading about divinations there was a whole week um, in one of my anthropology classes where we just talked about divination, and it was fascinating. If you want a good book to look at with that, um, try Ritual and Belief, which was edited by David Hicks, one of my professors. There's a whole section on divination, and it's just utterly fascinating, all the different types. It goes, I think the Chinese style of bone divination is in there. Um, I believe a Mende style of um, sort of stick versus non-stick definition. That was really cool. It was, um, it was it, well. There's a type of oracle, um, and I would, I would like to get it cor get it correct, but I don't think I, I, I will. But the basic use of was rubbing a, a specific block or piece into a sort of paste, and then trying to stick it to something. And if it sticked, it meant one thing. If it didn't stick, it meant another. Generally, in terms of trying to figure out guilt of a person if okay. information was not known. Yeah. But there's so there's a wonderful rainbow of of divination to yeah. to look at. And it's all very interesting. Yeah. So dive into divination. We'll put some resources in the, the description of this video. Probably the book Colin mentioned will stick there. Uh, so I hope your professor appreciates free advertising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i guess that that brings us to the end so you can uh i hope you enjoyed this episode you can hang out with us even though we're not super present on social media uh we're on facebook crone porch the solo crone porch uh and then we're on twitter and instagram at crone's porch and you can email us crone's porch at gmail.com and we're also on wordpress that i still haven't done the bio on the colony you send me that <laughs> holding myself oh accountable. yes we keep working on that Yes, yeah, we'll keep working on that. Yeah, so I guess what do we got coming up next? I think next will be our Beltana episode. I think so. And then probably maybe a, a, a tangent or a Crone Philosophy or a Crone Watch or something. I think we haven't done a Crone Watch in a while. We should do a, a Crone Yeah, we watch. should. <laughs> uh, so that'll be coming up. And then our May episode. It's already May. 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 I know, right? <laughs> time. Time isn't real. This is the only thing that keeps me on schedule for knowing what month it is. <laughs> so thank you, podcast, for giving me a scheduled life again, besides work. Yeah. <laughs> but until then, I guess I'll say dos vidanya. And I'll say slam. And we'll see you next time on the Crone's Porch. Woo!